it's um, first of all a wonderful, wonderful privilege to be here. And um, you know, when we sometimes look at big churches, we forget how things start. We forget the uh, the seed that is sown in the ground by God because He has a strategy and He has a plan, and He chooses people to outwork that in a particular region. And that's what the Book of Acts actually says. And so. Uh, for me to be here with you is is such an exciting privilege for me. And um, we've been on an amazing journey uh, in Adelaide ourselves. First of all, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I'm a lawyer by training, and that might become evident in the way I preach. Um, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring to you uh, an irresistible argument, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. And I'm sure you'll find in favour of Jesus this morning. So the, the whole idea... Uh, of, of my journey was God, God trained me uh, intellectually and in the law. Uh, I've been married for 32 years. My wife married me as a policeman, not knowing I would ever be a pastor. And she sort of said, that wasn't in the deal. What's going on? But God had plans for us that we had to journey through. We had to get on a process with. In uh, 2006, 2007, 2006, um, God had repositioned me from um, doing murder trials in Adelaide to leading a church. And um, I, I don't know which is easier, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I think murder trials are easier. <laughs> so we, we got on a journey, and in that journey, we included our children. My children were quite young. I have four adult children now and four grandchildren. So I'm a, I'm a little bit older than probably what I look. Uh, or maybe I look as old as I really am. But the, the journey was as a family. It wasn't just me pursuing a ministry. For us, it was a family decision because what we would go to live would affect the whole family. It would affect the lives of our children and our grandchildren because we knew what God was doing was way beyond where we were at. We... We didn't have, we knew in our heart, we didn't have a skill set that we needed. And God was so gracious that he got us on a journey with him. And in the journey with him, he had to come and fundamentally smash my academic law mindset. Because I'd approach the scriptures and I'd approach God with a heart going one way and a head going another way. My head was limiting what my heart longed for. And that was to come into an experience with God. I wanted to come into the depth of the experience with Jesus. I read the scriptures and I said, well, why aren't I experiencing that? Either the scriptures are wrong or I'm wrong. There's something, you, you can't have an in-between position. If the scriptures are right and God is true, then why aren't I coming into those things? And God started to put a desire in my heart for more of him. He did that. You know, you can't intellectually get a desire for God. It is the move of the Holy Spirit that works in your heart that draws you to the greater things of God. And then in 2006, um, John Daniel, who was leading the church, handed over to Tracy and I. And I've got to say, my wife was terrified. I was a bit more bold, but knew that the job ahead of me was not a small one. I had to relearn, reskill, and get a, a different understanding than where I'd been. And God was gracious enough to take us to a meeting in 2007 in Adelaide where the Holy Spirit moved with such power, every grid, every mindset that was limiting me from understanding 
what God wanted to show me just got smashed experientially. It wasn't a theological renewing of my mind. It was an experiential renewing of my mind. And that got us on to a massive journey as a church, as a people. And God started to then graciously uh, help us through the work of the Holy Spirit, expose the scriptures to us in a whole new way. We started to come into what's called revelation, understanding of the scriptures, and we're still on that journey. So when Bed says we're on a journey, we might be one or two steps ahead of you, but I, I want to promise you not too much more than that. Because what I've learned in, in Jesus is you need to be a life learner. A life learner. This is actually a thinking gospel because one of the premises of your transformation life is that you renew your mind. And without the renewing of your mind, you can't come into the experience that's already in you. The reality of Jesus is already in you. What locks us up is what's here. Believing is not in your head, it's in your heart. What you carry in your heart is your destiny and your future. And what we had to get on a journey was, was to dismantle some mindsets that were stopping what God was wanting to bring us into. Is that making sense for everyone this morning? And so that's part of what I want to do this morning. I want to I want to get you on a, on a journey with me this morning to have a look at some of the foundational things of Scripture, to have a look at the foundations of salvation that I know you're taught in this house. And then I want to give you some practical tools of how you're actually to live this out because Jesus went over this line by line with anyone who was willing to listen. He wanted to make it so clear about how he was living his life with the Father through the Holy Spirit. He was making it clear over and over and over again. But what he came against was a religious mindset that was locking people out of the eternal truths that he was revealing. Their hearts were veiled. And Jesus was saying that he would come with the truth of his word and the power of the Holy Spirit and remove that veil so there could be understanding and new life. And that's the journey I want to take you on this morning. So if you wouldn't mind, would you open your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 11. That's going to be my primary text. That's the primary basis of how we outwork what I'm going to talk about. But I want to lay some foundations for you this morning. Anyone bring a notebook? Yeah, brilliant. So I want to talk, the title for this morning is The Transforming Power of the Cross. The Transforming Power of the Cross. Before we do that, I really felt this morning, can I just say this? I, I've been in lots of places. I get the wonderful privilege to go into many churches around the world where we're partnering. And that worship was exceptional. I, I think we need to give the guys a hand. Honestly, that was... That was as good as anywhere I've seen. And, and you don't, sometimes you don't know what you've got in front of you until you go somewhere else. And I want to tell you, God has blessed you with this worship team so you can become worshipers and grow this church. Amen? The next thing I want to do is for us to pray for the Gold Coast. God has not got you here by chance. God has not put you here simply so you can come on a Sunday and be engaging with him. He has put you here so that you can transform a city as your life in him is transformed. 
As your life is transformed, you will transform a city. You will transform, and it looks massive. And for me to even say that, you go, but we're just a small bunch of people here on the Gold Coast. That's not how God sees it. God says, I'll take 120 in agreement, pour out my Holy Spirit, and transform Jerusalem. 120. And the Holy Spirit was all God needed to transform a city. 120. Are you with me? God only needed one woman at the well. And Jesus talking her destiny, calling out her future to change a culture in a city. One person. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. God's not looking for one person. He's looking for a people. And there's enough in this room working with the Holy Spirit, knowing who you are in Jesus, to transform the Gold Coast. Who believes that this morning? I mean, sometimes we just see ourselves too small. And we see ourselves how the world sees us, and we don't see ourselves how God sees us. So we're going to pray this morning how God sees us, not how the world sees us. Is that okay? Can we shift that this morning? So as I pray... Why don't you pray with me? Not just a yes, but you might even have a prayer that's beyond my prayer. And I pray it is why. You cannot transform a city that you don't love. You can't transform a life of a person you don't love. And you can't transform your life until you learn how to love yourself the way God loves you. So we're going to pray. Father, I thank you. For this morning, I thank you for what you're doing right now in the spirit realm in, on the Gold Coast. I thank you that what we are doing is establishing the seeds of your kingdom, your government realm in this region. We thank you that today we are making a statement to every principality and power that sits over the Gold Coast and locks it up and doesn't bring it into its future that you've already spoken forward. We declare the Gold Coast the city of God. We declare this region will be those who worship the one true God. And not, even as you stood at Caesar our Philippi, we make the declaration with the power of your cross, the finished work of your cross, and the power of your blood proceeding out into the spiritual realm. We say, Lord, let this be a stake in the ground. Let this be a seedbed of your harvest, Lord. And now we ask together in agreement with one heart and one mind to bring in the harvest. Lord, we ask for every chair to be filled. We ask that this place would be overflowing, not for our glory, but for your glory, that we would be the people that go out, that we would bring in the harvest. Father, that we would be the people that would carry your image and your likeness to a people to show them how they can be set free, delivered, and come into the reality and the love and the future in Jesus Christ. And they all said, Amen. Now we're being the church. <laughs> All right. So I'm talking about the transforming power of the cross. And so whether we recognize it or not, the life of Jesus culminating in the death and resurrection not only ended an old covenant, it began a new one. And some people forget that. It's not just the atonement of sin. It's bringing us in to something new, something old finished and something new began. And the forgiveness of sins through the atoning work of Jesus has brought every believer into a new reality 
and into a new relationship with God and with one another. This idea of the gospel is it's just me and God is not biblical. God is not looking for a person. He's looking for a people. And in that sense, my relationship with God finds its expression to one another. It finds expression in my marriage. It finds expression in my relationships, in my friendships, in my workplace. It has to find an expression. To not express God, one John says, is to live in a lie. If I say I love God and I don't give expression to that love towards someone else, then one John tells me, John the Apostle says, you're a liar. Because you don't understand how the gospel works. That's a strong statement, isn't it? And so what we have to understand is what we carry, we already have. See, when, when you have faith in Jesus Christ and you're born again, the fullness of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, comes now, according to Scripture, and dwells within you. You now become the dwelling place of God on earth. This is not the dwelling place of God. This, this, this is the dwelling place of God on earth. You and I together, koinonia, relationship with one another, one heart, one mind, one purpose. When we come together, something powerful happens in the heavenlies. Oh, I'm getting preaching now. I was wanting to teach, but I'm preaching. See, I, this thing stirs me up. I, I cannot submit to you a case without being impassioned by the reality of the fire of God that burns in me. Because every time I talked about Jesus, something happens in me. The love of God comes on me right now. I want to weep with His goodness. The power of God comes on me. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is working in me as He's working in you. See, if you will open your heart this morning, the Holy Spirit will come and show you who you really are in Jesus Christ, not who you've been living in the world. See, you once upon a time, you got your identity, you got your purpose, you got your value of who you were in the world. You were a sinner before God. He says, I'm coming because of my love and I'm going to change all of that. I'm going to change it all. I'm going to end an old covenant and I'm going to bring you into a new covenant. And this new covenant isn't based on your sin. It's based on my love. It's not based on what you got wrong. It's based on the new life you now live. The old is gone and the new has come. See, when you believe in Jesus, you believe that you died with Jesus. Your old life in the world died with Jesus. The old Adam nature that you inherited and didn't even know that you were locked up and couldn't even see God has now gone from you. You are not a sinner covered in the blood because to say that is to nullify the power of the cross. You instead have been transformed through an associated death with Jesus. When you died with Jesus, your old life went into the death. Your old stinking thinking, your self-belief, your self-worth, all the world told you about you died with Jesus. So that when by faith you rose with Jesus, you didn't come up anything other than a new creation. See, here the old man died. Here the new man arose. Here was Adam. Here's Jesus. 
I have a new life in Jesus Christ. He's put his life in me. Jesus became a life-giving spirit. And he put his new life in me. And all I had to do was believe. That's what it means to believe into Jesus. Why? Because he cut the covenant with the Father, not your performance. He was our perfect substitute. He was as if we had done it. And if it's finished, it can't be recalled. I understand as a lawyer, once there's a ruling and there's a decision of a court, it's called functus officio. The court is now finished with that issue and can't go back and revisit it. Then why do we? I can't revisit that reality. And I'm not trying to work out that reality. I'm trying to change my mind to suit and meet that present reality. I'm not becoming something in my spirit before God I already am. What the heck? But I've, my wife was here. She'd say, but I've seen your life, Paul. I see how you protest when you come away. You come to your ministry tours and I say, can you put out the bin, love? I see that look. I'm not talking to anyone this morning. I want to tell you, the issue is not who you already are. The issue is your mind catching up with the reality that lives within you. That's the issue. And when you start to renew your mind, you start to see who you really are and who God says you really are. You see, in the world, my value and my worth is determined by a whole lot of things. Yeah? And most of us don't feel valuable and we don't feel worthy. In the world, and I'm going to use this side for the world as a picture of comparison. In the world, my value is determined by what I do. Who I am. What I have. Look at me. I'm really rich. I'm really wealthy. But I can't keep my marriage together because I'm really sad. But we have scoreboards in the world. We have measuring sticks in the world. How we ascribe value and worth to one another. Is that true? You agree with me this morning? God does not use that scoreboard or that measurement. It's not even in his thinking. His measurement is based on one thing, how he sees you. And when you are born again, you are brought back in through Jesus Christ into a relationship with the Father. As you come up through the cross, as you rise with Jesus, you went in a sinner, you come up a son. You went in a sinner. You hit that water, that baptismal water, as a sinner. But I promise you, the moment your head poked above that water, you came in as family in a resurrected reality of the spirit realm of God. You became a son and daughter of the living God. To be an image bearer of him to the world. That's your vision. That's your vision here, to be image bearers, to give expression to the life of Christ in you to the world. Why is that so important? Because you can't carry governmental authority unless you carry the government heart of God. The first thing we know about God is He is love. Not worldly love, 
Not the love of what I can get, but a godly love of what I can I give. See, God's love's not about what I get. God's love about what can I give. You see, we were in deficit to God. We were sinners. We, we, we had separated ourselves from the love of God. We had separated ourselves completely by what we worship and what we gave our heart to. But God, whilst we were still against him in our mind, loved us unconditionally. In other words, his love for us is not based on what we do. Someone say, Amen. I'm relieved right now. Thank you, Jesus. Because if love was based on what I do, I've gone back into a worldly culture of love and it's based on performance and what you do for me. That's not how it works. That's not how the kingdom works. So this radical transformation, as I come over here, I come up and I come into the Godhead. You know what that means, what the Bible says it means. It says God loves me with the same love that he loves himself. What the heck? God loves me with the same love that he loves himself. He's not a hedonist. He's not being narcissistic. What he's saying is this. He says, here's the principle of how all life works out of the Godhead. Love one another as you love yourself. All the law is summed up in this. Now, if you don't love yourself, you ain't going to love your neighbor. And how you see yourself, I promise you, is actually how you see your neighbor. If you're down on you, you're going to be down on your neighbor. If you're judging yourself, you're going to be judging your neighbor. And round and round and round we go. Where it stops, nobody knows. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you, Jesus, that you took us out of the spirit of this world, out of that reality, out of that way of living, and you brought us into you in a new way of living. And now, because of your love, you give us free will to make decisions for you, to make decisions to live the way of your love that we can now experience, not just receive, but participate in. See, you are brought in to the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Just like Jesus walked on earth, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He walked as a trinity. He didn't walk just as man serving God. He walked as a man with the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit, that the Father was always present in him and with him. He becomes the model of every born-again, spirit-filled believer's life. He becomes the example. He becomes the prototype that we are to draw witness to and learn how to become just like him. You see, before the foundation of the earth, the scriptures say, you were conformed in God's heart to be like Jesus, not like the world. Was Jesus like the world? Is your reference point the world? Theologically, no. Practically, well, maybe a little bit. Maybe, maybe, maybe a little bit we do get our read off of the world. Maybe even relationally we still get our read off of the world. Because, you know, what are you doing for me, man? 
what are you doing for me? I, I, you know, when I'm around you, I, don't, I just, you're not hitting all the needs. I, I, I mean, I've got all these needs. Man, I need to be doing something. I need to, I need to have a title to get an identity, bro. Because that's how the world works, yeah? It's not how the kingdom works. You see, when you come up into the Godhead, God pours his love into you through the Holy Spirit. And you have to positively resist it, not to be affected by it. And when you positively resist it, God knows, there you go. There's a wound of the heart I need to touch even more. See, God doesn't let you off the hook. He's not going to get you out of his love. He's going to keep following you. He's going to keep pursuing you. He's going to keep loving you until you know how to be loved. Because the biggest problem in the world is not how to receive love. It's actually, sorry, not to be loved, but how to receive love. Most of us are clueless how to receive love because we think it comes with a condition. God's love is unconditional. It's not based on you. It's based on who he is. And not only does he love you and give you free will, he ascribes to you the same value and worth that he ascribes to himself. Well, what about my sin? Doesn't change your value. Now that's going to mess with your head this morning. I know it is. But, you, but, 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 but I sin and I, and I mess up. Does it make you of lesser value? You see... When my kids were young, they were still my children, whether they were good or bad. They're still my children, and they're still valuable to me. They're my children. They're part of me. They're the expression of me and my wife. And therefore, they're as valuable as the value I place on myself. Since God is perfect in value, perfect in love, He ascribes to us as His created, His prodigies, His children through the spirit of adoption, the same value and the same worth that he puts on himself. Oh my goodness. You see, there are no victims in the kingdom, friends. There are no victims in the kingdom. There's victims in the world because they haven't come in to know the transforming power of the cross in their life. Do we have moments where we feel that we're separated from the love of God? Yes. Has God moved position? No. Has he still got the same heartbeat towards you? Yes. What's the problem? The grid in which you're approaching God, not the heart he has towards you. So I've got to learn how to live from my identity in God, not my identity in the world. Who I am before God means more than anything of who I am before any man in the world. So first and foremost, my identity is found in my relationship, not what I do. Because in the world, I find my identity by what I do. In the kingdom, I find my identity because of who I am. That can't change. God doesn't change his mind. Oh, today you messed up. Oh, I call you a sinner today, not a son. Get out of my house, you mess up. God doesn't behave like that, guys. Religion might have taught you that, but God doesn't behave like that. I'm going to smash some sacred cows this morning. Are you ready to get on a journey of sacred cows? I smell a barbecue going on. 
Because we've been told some things that actually don't line up with the heartbeat of God. The heartbeat of God is you are valuable, just as I'm valuable, and I love you just as I love myself. Now, in that participation, I get to rewire and transform your heart. And I get to rewire and transform you through the changing of your thinking, which is led by the Holy Spirit. Let's have a look at uh, Romans 12. Is this okay? Gee, time flies when you're having fun. Romans 12, 2. Romans chapter 12, 2. I mean, this is a, a famous verse, so your Bible might read a little bit differently. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. And it says, stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you. That's our influence, isn't it? Our influence is our history. It influences the world around us, influencing how we think and how we respond. Yeah? It's a real influence. Can I just say, culture is a real influence. God's not against culture. He's against the spirit that motivates culture to have you think about yourself differently about how he thinks about you. Understand that? So, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit. If I read the Bible more, this is going to be it, right? Yes, you need to read your Bible, but you need to read the Bible with the Holy Spirit, not apart from Him. It's not a novel. It's not a textbook. It's not a university book. It won't help you if you read just the letters on the page. You've got to read the heartbeat of God with the Holy Spirit so you can get the revelation that comes through intimacy with the Father. Hey, Father, I want to know you. I want to know who I am. I want to behold me as before a mirror. What what does the Word actually say about me? Not what it's judging me in. What does it say about me? It says I'm a son. Oh, Lord, I don't feel like a son. That's all right, boy. I'm going to pour my love into you today. I'm going to pour in my truth to you today. Just ask. Just ask. Ask me for the wisdom that you can live by. Ask for the spirit of revelation, wisdom, and understanding to flood you. Just ask me. Most of our prayer life is telling God what we want. Not asking God what we need. (laughs) Am I with anyone this morning? That was like a... Yeah, 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 got me there. Mm-hmm. Got me on that one. That's how I pray. Your prayer life is not asking God, telling God what you want. It's asking God, what do you need? What does he want to reveal to you? What does he want to release to you? What does he want to show you? What does he want to transform in you? What does he want to give you? Oh, God, we're broke. He goes, yeah, I know. It's like he doesn't, like we, we pray in fear when should we should be coming in faith. Why? We pray in fear when we haven't entered his rest. When we haven't actually come in to being full of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will never lead you a prayer of fear. It will always lead you in a prayer of faith. And if you lack faith, the Holy Spirit will give you God's faith. If you don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit will teach you how to pray. If you're weak, the Holy Spirit will cause you to be strong. When you can't, He can. In fact, God's power is made perfect when you can't. He shows off in you. 
God wants to show off in you. You just got to let him. You see, the problem is we say we want to walk by the Spirit as we tell God what to do. Who's following who? Okay, God, you just follow my life, okay? When I get really stuck, I'll turn to you, but otherwise I got it covered. None of us would live like that, eh? We all live like that. My, my, my revelation that I got was stop telling God what you want and start asking him what I need. What is it you want me to do? Because last time I checked, I served you. You don't serve me. When I learn to step into submission with my father through a place of love and true identity, the power that flows through me to fulfill my assignment and my purpose is ever-present. Because I'm in Christ, which means I'm in the resources, the full resources and the governmental realm of the kingdom. I lack nothing. Now, will there be a battle for that in my mind and my prayer and my faith? Yes. So what must I do? Faith comes from where? From the hearing of the word. God, the present word of God is the words of Jesus to me. And so as I reposition myself in worship and praise, I reposture my heart to mirror him. And as I mirror him, Paul says in Corinthians, I'm being transformed into his likeness. That means my heart is being transformed as I give him praise and thanks in the middle of my difficulty. And then he starts to tell me what he wants to do because there's a present grace. There's a present empowering and there's a present provision in every step of the journey. But we miss it because we pray in fear, not praying in faith. Faith is I want to hear what God is saying. Fear is I need to tell you. He goes, yeah, I know. I know. If he knows the numbers of your head, hair, like he knows, he knows you better than you know him. He knows better He knows you better than you know you. He knows you better than you know yourself. Because you've got stuff that's hidden in the foundations of your heart, in your subconscious mind, you are reacting to but don't understand. And it's the Holy Spirit that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word and it starts to unplug that illegal foundation that's locking you out of the faith realm that God wants to bring you into. Does that make sense? So we we understand there's got to be a renewing of the mind, but it's through the Holy Spirit. And this is what the Passion says. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Totally reform how you think and this will empower you to discern God's will what he wants you to do as you live a beautiful life satisfying and perfect in his eyes you see what I'm saying and 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 Jesus he he says this relationship in the Holy Spirit is crucial this Holy Spirit empowerment is how he lived it was who he was. It's how he lived his life. And, and in Matthew, the point I want to, I can't unpack it now. I've run out of time. But Matthew 11, 25, 26, and I'm, I want to read this to you. I want to read this to you because I hopefully will practically empower you. Abruptly, Jesus broke into prayer. 
Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've concealed your ways from lawyers and accountants. No, sorry, from sophisticates and know-it-alls. What is the thing that locks us out of our transitional development? Pride. Yeah, I know it. I know it. Yeah, I've read the scriptures. I've got it all sorted out. Oh, really? You know everything there is to know about God through the scriptures, do you? Clever you. Jesus had to have the Holy Spirit working in him to reveal the mysteries. There's a whole bank of mysteries we're clueless about, and God says it's my good pleasure to reveal them to you. God wants to take you on a journey of unraveling the mysteries of the kingdom and causing them to be established in you and through you. This is exciting. You've concealed your ways from sophisticates and know-it-alls, but spelt them out clearly. Now we all qualify. Ordinary people. Do you get that? Why? Because the power of the Holy Spirit... God himself working in you will reveal everything you need to know even as you develop yourself around the word of God. Isn't that amazing? He will teach you. And he'll put teachers in your midst to teach you. But he will teach you if you will ask him to teach you. If you ask him to show you, I promise you, you'll get on a journey and he will show you. If you want to be a life learner, God will teach you. If you want to stay where you are and put up all the walls and stay there and then live at a distance to God, He will love you, love you, love you, but ultimately you keep yourself there. God doesn't. This little position here is called pride. I've been hurt, I've been wounded, whatever it is, I know I'm insecure. I don't yet know the love of God. But when the love of God penetrates my heart, and I can tell you from first-hand experience, the love of God is greater than my pride. I've stood in that prideful, arrogant place, and the Lord just pierced my heart with the one thing I needed. I didn't recognize I was an orphan. I didn't know the love of God. He just said, my love of God is more powerful. If my love on the cross can defeat every principality and power, it's no match for your pride, my boy. I'm coming after you. Look out. God's coming after you with his love. Why? Because he wants to take you out of that mess and bring you here and show you the mysteries, show you the way you can really live as an empowered person in this world, bringing his reality into reality. Amen? Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly, the Father has given me all these things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation coming out of father-son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows. That word means experientially knows, not conceptually known. Experientially knows the father the way the son does. And no one knows the son the way the father does. This is This is amazing. The way God knows you, he wants you to know him. And you know how we get to know each other? Because I learn to be vulnerable before my God. We think we can hide stuff from God. 
you don't understand who you're dealing with here, guys. It's not like a parent where you've got the door closed and it's all rock and roll, what's going on in the room. You know what I'm saying? He sees it all, not to condemn you, but to bring you out of it, to bring you out of the bondage, to bring you out of that life into a way better life that can carry his love into the world. You've been saved for a purpose, not just go to heaven one day. You've been saved to be his ambassador on earth. Why? Because the Gold Coast wants to see Jesus. There's a generation that wants to see Jesus. It's done with religion. It'll go there for a while, but they're wanting for the authentic. The questioning generation is doing us a favor. It says, you know what? I want what is real. And the truth is, if we practice a, a, a religion that's not in the heart of God and not understanding the Scriptures, we will produce a performance to the world that is hard for us to keep, that is the sweat of the brow, and it is not by the grace of God or in the rest of God. We will do it by our own effort, thinking we're pleasing God, and we think we're pulling it off to the world. No. We're busy doing church, but we've forgotten how to be the church. And then Jesus goes on. The Father's given me all these things to do. No one knows the Son the way the Father does, not the Father the way the Son does, but I'm not keeping it to myself. This, when I read this, I just went, what? Jesus was crying out to reveal how this all works. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone who is willing to listen. Are you willing to listen? Now he explains the key. Are you tired? Yep. Worn out? Yep. Burnt out on religion? Well, actually, I've been trying to do it a lot myself. Yep. And the first thing he says is, come to me. No, really come to me. Come to me with all of your heart, all of who you are, all of what's not right. Don't dress it up. Don't get yourself right. Then come to me. Come to me just as you are because my love and my truth are sufficient for all of your mess. The problem we have is we project onto God a worldly mind view of who we are before one another. Don't bring me your mess, dude. I can't cope with your mess. You're toxic. What God says is bring it all. Because I know who I am and I know the power I carry. I know the power of my love in your life. I know the power of my truth to set you free. I know the power to dismantle everything of that and to restore you into who I'm making you. What I always intended for you. Why? Because I need you as my ambassador on earth to show me how powerful I am in your life when you're weak. I need you to show to the world how amazing I am through you. Why? Because then we defeat every principality and power that's locking up a city and a nation. Got to come to him. Get away with me. Oh, just let me do a bit more. No, we're doing more because that's where we find our identity. We're working to please God instead of working from who we are in God. I, I, I serve because I'm a son. I'm not serving so I can be a son. Because I am, I do. It's who I am. And not to serve is incongruent. It's inconsistent with who I am. You 
understand? Not, not to see a need and do nothing. It's inconsistent with who I am. Why? Because I'm a son of God. What's my example? Jesus. I follow Jesus. I don't follow the world. And I don't even follow myself. Because when I come to him, now I become like a child in humility. And he empowers me to live my true identity before people. I'll show you how to take a real rest. We take a real rest by coming back in to a Genesis 2 reality. We're reconciled back into the heart of God, full of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit working in us that allows us to rest from our own efforts and pick up God's grace, His power to do the very thing I couldn't otherwise do. God takes you out of and into and empowers you when you can't. See, the problem is once you get a message like this, there's no excuse, is there? There's no excuse. Because God understands you can't reveal him to the world unless he's fully working in you in the world. Does that make sense? And I'll finish with this. Walk with me and work with me. Walk means halak. The Hebrew idea is a garden reality where we're walking by the breath of the Holy Spirit, by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And Paul says to the church at Galatians, as you walk by the Spirit, naturally what will start to flow from you are all the fruits of the Spirit. Naturally, as you submit yourself to that, you don't have to try and love, you will love. You don't have to try and be patient. Oh, i just got to be patient with you. As I'm walking full of the Holy Spirit, I will be patient with you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit gives me the power to be patient. I've got no patience of my own, okay? <laughs> yeah. So you can sort of see straight away when somebody's walking by the Spirit and when they're walking by the flesh. I can't, I can't. But in Christ, I, what's the phrase? I can. I can do what? Some things. No, all things. Why? Because His power is sufficient in every life situation. Then it goes on. It says this. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. The Holy Spirit is forever teaching you how to live out this life and what to do and how to do it. Like God doesn't just go, okay, go and do the impossible and I'll just stand here and watch and then I'll criticize you when you get it wrong. That's actually how some of us think. Wrong. He's with us every step of the way. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you even until the very end. I'm going to be with you in the person of, I'm going to send another just like me. And he will become a friend to you just like I was a friend to you. So everywhere I walk with the Holy Spirit, it's like I'm walking with Jesus every day. I'm walking under his authority. I'm walking under his anointing and I'm walking by his power. But I've got to shift my mind to that reality because that is the realm of faith that I now live by. I won't, so it says here, watch this, learn the unforced rhythms of my grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me 
and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. What's he breaking off? The heavy yoke of religious self-performance to the empowered reality of walking with a new nature by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? How you are going to build this next phase is not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. Nowhere is there a pattern of building that is outside of God. So in Christ, you can. In Christ, you come together. In Christ is what we actually model in everything we do. Amen? Can I pray for you? Father, I thank you, hopefully, for a good seed deposit into good soil this morning. Lord, I thank you for everyone's hearts that have been open to hear you this morning. Lord, I pray that you will just bring revelation upon revelation and increase upon increase. That you will just cause a people to come together in something that looks impossible to the world but is completely possible with you. I pray for your love and your truth to be poured out upon these people. Lord, I pray for the transformation of hearts. Lord, that they would carry you in their heart, that they would reveal you in their hands. Lord, please establish this church in the power and the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, they all said, Amen. Amen.